So here's a question. In a world that keeps moving faster and faster, how do women leaders like us, women who want to make an impact in the world through our career or business and not sacrifice our home life, how do we create balance and fulfillment in our lives, both at work and at home, without facing burnout or constantly feeling like we're chasing an impossible dream? That's the question, and this show explores the answers. Welcome to the Selfless Syndrome Show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, and I'm on a mission to help women leaders break through burnout so that they can build the life and body they are worthy of and step into the awesome power of who they really are. I'm the Selfless Syndrome Mentor, a board-certified women's health and leadership coach and alternative medicine practitioner. I'm a wife, mom, and stepmom to four boys and a furball, and I'm the founder of a rapidly growing women-centered coaching business. Stick around because on this show, you'll learn how to create the life, body, and career you've always dreamed of without having to sacrifice who you really are. Let's go. Hello, welcome back to the Selfless Syndrome Show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley. I'm really excited to be joined today by Rachel Richter, who is the founder of Inline, the leading alignment coaching and advising firm for teams and companies looking to correct misalignment and achieve maximum performance. Out of further demand, she also founded um, Align and Thrive, the alignment coaching practice for individuals with the purpose of making thriving attainable personally and professionally. She established her own way to live a life worth living as obstacles arose along the way, never losing sight of everything she still had to be grateful for. She created and generated billions of dollars in value for shareholders and the public over 15 years in both publicly listed corporations and federal agencies, while enduring a nearly fatal accident uh, or sickness, undergoing one of the most painful surgeries known to man and losing her mother to a rare disease. By utilizing alignment and compassion for herself and others, she achieved when many felt innovation or even agreement was impossible. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I this is the first time that someone's used that the that intro. It's like there's so much meat to unpack. We can almost go anywhere from there. I'm curious where you're <laughs> yeah. headed. I um so what really stood out to me about your story and we can just start here is just like, you know, we all have lives that we live and we, how we show up in the midst of our circumstances is huge. And so it sounds like you have quite the story there and I would love to dive into that. So I'll kind of let you, cause you, you clearly match the, you know, who I talk to on this show is a lot of driven women who some of them might be in a transitionary stage or feel like they haven't achieved or accomplished everything they want, or they're dealing with big, hard circumstances. Um, and so I think hearing, just hearing stories of women who've, who've been able to do it is inspiring and great. Oh, that's a really, I love that question, actually. Just, just letting it flow with the story. So I guess I'll start with where I am now, which is I came to a place in a lot of the deep work that I've done over the years on personally to be able to allow me to show up and do all those great things professionally is as the author of my life. And by that, I mean, not a character in a specific chapter. I'm the author of the whole damn book. Excuse my French. <laughs> Love it. Go for it. Yeah. But that is the shift that I personally made in order to do all the things that I'm doing now. So, you know, really accessing that self energy versus the energy of fear or um, 
self-sacrifice, the martyrdom, like all this stuff, like kind of the dark side of a lot of the things that um, are modeled for us in our society or our family systems growing up. It's like, what do you, how do you show up as you regardless of anything else? And how do you own your own uh, needs? Like your need for love, safety, value, worth, all of that. That's, you're never going to do that from being a place of um, the things that you might be called. For instance, we have no word uh, to describe someone who's gone through assault, sexual assault. We call them survivors or we call them victims. I've been called both. And the real question is, what did what good did that do for myself? Like, I get that in certain systems, you have to note someone as a thing in relation to what happened. But if we internalize those labels and start owning that as the character of the story versus who we really are, we we box ourselves into a thing. And same when we show up as a high-performing woman. So it or a high-performing person in society, it's well, I'm boxed into I'm the one who does this, or I'm the one who does this. Well, what happens when that thing goes away? Who am I? That's a who okay, we have so much to unpack here. <laughs> and it, it's such a powerful question, you know, because you're talking about for those listening, I've, I have a sick child who has been blowing his nose excessively recently. <laughs> it's, we're getting through it. Um, you know, we're talking about not being defined by your circumstances and not being forced into a, a label and a box and still really figuring out how to honor yourself and what you actually need, which I talk a lot on this show about, you know, it's called the selfless syndrome show. I've rebranded it a few times, but, um, you know, as women in particular, we can get so sucked into like being so disconnected because we're just so focused on giving you mentioned martyrdom. Like that's, you know, a, a thing that we can take on of just giving, 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 and really not even knowing what it is that we need or how we get fulfilled and, and refill our cup and, or how to ask for it. Like, yeah. That connection part that you just talked about, I actually think personally, and this is actually what in line the company I run is, is based on is I believe that disconnection is actually the driving force of negative outcomes in our organizations and also our lives personally. And that increasing connection with ourselves first and foremost and one yes. another can do all the great things that you know we talk about as high achievers maximizing business performance doing you know things around innovation um and at a personal level having a life that feels really good aligned and fulfilling yeah and so that's what i've dedicated um you know as through doing my own deep personal work um that's been the shift for me is how do i help now that i understand what it means to be fully connected with myself and other people, how do I fully implement that and help other people do that? Well, for, for me, the answer laid in where do people show up most of the time during the day? Work. Right. Work. <laughs> but then we started working with individuals uh, on, a, on a specific basis as well. So, but yeah, it's, it's about just, it's about connection. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I was going to say, I'm curious, um, you know, this topic of connection, one of the things that I know you'll appreciate coming from a medical background is this idea of defining terms so that everyone's on the same page. And one of my favorite definitions that we actually decided to iterate on um, of connection came from Brene Brown. 
And we started to change it up a little bit given what we're doing um, in the world. But I, I love this idea of connection. It's the energy that exists within us and between us when three things happen. When we feel valued and recognized by ourselves and each other, when we give and receive to ourselves and one another without judgment, and when we mutually benefit from lifting each other up. And if you can think of an environment where that's happened for you with yourself and for you with others and with others for them as well, that's what that feeling of connection actually to me from a, from a very grounded and analytical place can, you can anchor into. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And letting go of, you know, something that I talk about a lot on here is like letting go of the shoulds. You know, we tend to should ourselves a lot. And like, and a lot of this is, is driven by societal standards and by, you know, just like the environments that we've grown up in. But like when you can find that connection, not because you should do this or you should do that or, you know. I did that a lot with myself. Yeah. I was in pretty rigid thinking patterns in, uh, you know, before in my life. And that did mm-hmm. not help at all. And it's one of the things nope. I had to was you have to do this. You must do this. Like. Who's, who says? Yeah. Like, I'm wondering, is there a law around this? And if there is, does it need to be followed in the way that you think it does? Like, think a little bit more about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing that come up in so many areas. And so I, you know, and I've shared on the show a bit, I've been on a similar journey of just like going inside and, and you know, really like reconnecting with myself and actually trusting and allowing my heart to leak because I didn't do that for a while. And that was part of the end of my chiropractic career. You know, it took my wrist being torn in six places and the building that I, I, I bought a big building and then like the insurance industry tanked up here. And so, you know, couldn't support it. And then ultimately ended up in bankruptcy. But I now see all those things as like a blessing of, you know, the universe being like, Hey, pay attention. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and it's taken a while to fully embrace that. But I know like for those listening who are going through that it can be, mildly terrifying at times, highly stressful (laughs) and all the things. So what were some of the things you had to do or overcome to really start to connect with yourself? Because like, this is one of the things that women struggle with everywhere. I think defining myself by any of the things that I had gone through, either experiences Mm -hmm. that I had, um, that the things that I had experienced or it were the things that I engaged in as in defining myself through any one of those things versus um, me and literally leaving the floor open for that, which is mildly terrifying when you think that mm-hmm. a structure needs to be in place for success to happen and you like to have all the answers. Um, but then it's like, well, where is your safety coming from? Right. It's that right. deeper <laughs> coming from inside. Great. If it's if you're externalizing that, the the, the road is going to feel a lot more bumpy um, along the way. And so, the things that I had to let go of were, you know, some really hard experiences around my health when I got really really sick, and then I had to heal from a thing that. Um, do you do you know what I'm I'm assuming? Obviously, you you know what long COVID is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, they're thinking that this thing called chronic fatigue syndrome, also known as mm-hmm. ME/CFS, and they're thinking that it's either the same as or very closely related to long COVID. And so, before long COVID was a thing, 
um, years and years and years ago, I, I was sick with ME and, um, fibromyalgia seems like, a seems like they're two sides of the same coin, by the way, from, from mm-hmm. that standpoint, um, from the research from there. And luckily I actually didn't know that I had MECFS when I was really, really sick. And so all I knew was no, no, no. There was a time in my life where I was healthy. So I'm going to figure out what this is and I'm going to get back to being healthy again. Had I been given a diagnosis at, you know, a young age, I don't know if I would have just lived with it because technically it doesn't have a treatment plan or a cure in the way that a lot of other uh, chronic conditions um, or illnesses do. And that's pretty devastating when someone's handed a thing that says, oh, there's really no way you can figure this out. Um, That's, you know, that's just the way it is. And so I, I really, um, I decided that even when I got the diagnosis, if I'm 50% better now upon being diagnosed, why can't I get another 50% better? And literally just researching my way out of it. Um, as the brain fog went away, I was, I was very, very Mm -hmm. sick for and th- after that, when I was about 80, 90% better, I started seeing someone who does um, like trauma therapy and mm-hmm. things with PTSD. Um, she has a somatic integrated approach with you know the body. And yeah. I remember going to her saying, hey, everything's great. I'm, I'm, I'm doing amazing. This was like a bunch <laughs> of years ago too. Uh, yeah. And she goes, okay, well, how can I help you? Right. It's like, well, if you're everything's so amazing, you wouldn't be calling me. So what's the thing? And I was like, well, it's just, you know, it's just these memories of sexual assault. If I could just deal with that, everything else is great. There's not one thing that isn't great. It's just that thing. And I'm thinking in her head, she's probably going, okay, sure. You want that to be the story that that seems fine. We can just, we'll go in that way. And so we start doing that. And I think on session two or three, it started going back to my childhood. And I thought, oh my God, this again, what am I going to do with this? And I was like, well, I haven't, I tried everything else. So I'm just going to show up. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what's going on here. This feels like Pandora's box, but I'm just going to show up and figure this out. And soon enough, I realized that part, one of the biggest pieces of my issue was the fact that I was leaving intellectually. Like anytime something got too stressful in my body, I would just go to thinking and analysis and all this other stuff that again, high-performing yeah. women tend to do. Yep. <laughs> and uh, through doing that, your body is kind of left holding all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And, and not always well. <laughs> no, no, I found out that, you know, when you, when you stop going through micro moments of fight, flight, and freeze subconsciously, your body can actually heal on a very, very deep level. Not always, but many, many times, surprisingly, it can. And so that that was an integral part of being me being able to unlock my full self because I've had full use of um, my body and my digestive system and everything else that comes along with it. Now, I no longer think that my body is an Uber for my brain, essentially. You know, it's like kind of like using a smartphone just to make calls from, like it can do so much more. It doesn't just take you from place to place. And that had been my MO for years. And I think that's part of what got me sick and what got me better was actually, like you said, going inside that connection with yourself on, on every part 
the level imaginable uh, is is so critical. And it's I find that that's also missing from a lot of our interpersonal relationships and especially in our organizations. Um, And you don't have to go therapy deep to heal that stuff when it's between people. But the same principles apply. And so we've we've translated that work to to work between people where they don't even know the context of where it comes from. They just see that it's helpful. Yeah. It's really interesting because the longer I've been around like coaching and mentoring, you know, high-performing women and in my own journey and story, actually, like the trauma piece is really rampant. And most of us don't realize it. Um, but you know, I've had women that like I've, I've moved away from doing so much functional medicine type stuff, but you know, I do, I was doing a lot of parasite detoxing and I had one woman that got through that and was like, I feel really light and clear. And Oh, by the way, I had trauma 40 years ago that I literally have never talked to anybody about. And she's like, and I'm ready to do that now. And it was just, you know, so there's these like layers that as you're willing to go deep and, and peel them back, it's like this stuff just starts to surface and actually release because I think a lot of us don't realize you know we have thoughts and our thoughts give rise to emotion in the body and our you know emotions get stored there and so until we learn how to a you know one of the hardest things a coach asked me that which was only just, it was just recently this year she's like where do you feel that in your body and I was like what <laughs> what, what are you talking about like and then I'm mad because I don't know the right answer and I'm like Meh. and I've since learned <laughs> you know learned how to be like oh I feel that here okay like what is that you know does it have a shape and a color and like all the things but you know we have to be willing to slow down I think is is a big thing long enough to start to peel those back yeah, it's, it's interesting what you just said about that, because the slowing down part, again, if you're used to having all the answers and just going, mm-hmm. going, going, that also can feel mildly terrifying. And so that, that, that was like, if I could go back, I don't know, 10 years and tell younger Rachel, it's like, Hey, here's some cheat codes for the next 10 years. Just use them. Just don't think about it. That's the first thing. Listen to me. I know you might not want to, <laughs> but listen up your body is in an Uber for your brain. And it actually tells you things. I swear, like the sensations that are pleasant, do more of those. The things that are unpleasant, maybe, maybe those aren't as aligned for you. And this idea of alignment, you're going to really want to look into that because your whole business is going to be based on that in the future. Like just Mm -hmm. greater connection with yourself, with other people. And what I found out and, um, was it, I had this aha moment of, wait a second. So if our intention, which we rarely talk about enough, right? Right. Yeah. Is something. It's kind of like your North star and you're going towards it, but your priorities, whatever you're prioritizing ain't on that level. Mm-hmm. And, or if your actions of what you're actually doing isn't on that level, mm-hmm. where's the alignment and how, how do you ever think that you're going to be achieving the results, whatever kind of that is that you want to achieve? How how could you possibly be, yeah. be doing that? And so that's that was the aha moment for me. And then for for as it applies to business, of like, wait a second, alignment, like this idea of connecting our intentions, priorities, and actions as an individual. Imagine what we can do. We like more of us do that, especially as a team. Yeah. And but on an individual and personal level, it's like I was definitely out of alignment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my story and journey has, it's kind of ironic. I'm actually teaching a masterclass shortly after this on the subtle art of prioritizing yourself, but (laughs) you know, it's, it's all coming down to that alignment and being willing to listen, even when it's 
scary or hard or, you know, but like tuning in yourself enough to recognize like, when is it fear and dread? Because like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. And when is it like fear of like, oh, I'm tapping into who I really am. And it's scary to stand on that and not, you know, for me, a big one's been like standing behind, you know, my educational background. And it sounds like, you know, you obviously are very smart and very well-researched and all that, but it's like, I've been hiding. It's like, I've been, you know, kind of sliding what it is I am actually really called to do underneath like, Hey, functional medicine, Hey, chiropractic. It's like, no, just call the thing, the damn thing. <laughs> like You don't need the doctorate degree and all this stuff to stand on that and, and do that and let it yeah. be enough. Yeah. We're knowing your discernment for yourself is enough to go forward. Yeah. That was the thing that I, in order to make the, the big switch to doing what I'm doing now, I had to actually realize, I remember calling up, um, my partner and I was just like, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I think I can just do it based on me. Like literally yeah. everything I've learned and everything that I've been doing for other people in all of these roles, like, why isn't that enough? And he was like, congratulations. That's the attitude you have to have to be able to do what you want to do next. And it was, yeah. it was this idea of like being enough and it doesn't mean you're perfect, yeah. mm-hmm. but I think being intentional and being um, real, like not pragmatic or realistic, but, but really honest with yourself about what it is you have done. So it's not like hyping yourself up to jump off of a building thinking that you're going to fly without a parachute. Right. Right. Um, not that it's not like dishonest hype. It's, it's just being really honest with yourself and not judging yourself from what you haven't done. And also recognizing what you really have done despite any professional certifications or degrees or because of them. Yeah. Another really hard thing, you know, I, on a, another podcast recently, I had someone ask me like, what's something you're really proud of? And I was like, but you know, <laughs> When you really get down to it, it's like, no, I've actually like, even though I've been fighting against it a lot, you know, I've created the business model that I want to be in. And I want to, you know, I've been taking the steps despite the resistance. And so that was the thing I came up with that I was really proud of. And so for those listening, like, I challenge you, what's something you're really proud of? What do you love about yourself? That was a journaling activity that I've taken my clients on recently. Like, what do you actually love about yourself? I look at love. I love that you mentioned that. I look of I look at love if you think of it from an action perspective as well as a feeling. It's like what are the aligned actions that you're taking to actually treat yourself with love? Because that can yeah. also be something you love about yourself, even if you don't feel it yet, but you're acting towards it. That's very honest, and it's a step. Yeah, there might be some you know beliefs that that are kind of lying around in the wings or subconsciously that's kind of preventing you from feeling that towards yourself. But yeah. if there's yeah. that you're working on to get there, that to me, it's kind of like, we're given this one car throughout your whole life. And if someone told you that you're just going to have the one car, you're definitely going to protect its seats and you're going to get, you know, your oil changed way more regularly than probably most of us care of to do. And you're, you're just going to do all of these things to show care for that vehicle. And yet we have this vehicle with our body and like, then there's the difference, of course, between you and your body and, you know, the integration of your consciousness with your body. We don't have to get that deep or anything, but it's this idea right. of like, you have this body, you're in it. Yeah. What are you doing on a daily basis to show care for yourself? Because it's there yeah. for you silently 24 seven, doing so much more than you ever think consciously that it's showing up for. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I love that you bring that distinction because that's important because I know a lot of us can have very rough views of ourselves, honestly. Like just, you know, we've degraded ourselves into self-hatred and whatever the things are. Um, so. I did that really early. I love that you brought mm-hmm. that up. I, I think I was in eighth grade. I'm, I'm 30, I'm turning 37 this weekend, actually, but Hey. Um, <laughs> but this, uh, when I was in eighth grade, you know, again, even from that young age, very academic, very studious. So when I hated myself, I decided to write down a list of every single thing that I disliked about myself, not even just dislike, but hate. And I think I titled it that like, I hate, and it was everything. It was like the length of my fingers, um, which are pretty normal, uh, yeah. finger length, like nothing crazy. No, this one on the list, my arm hair went on the list. I mean, it was everything, my eye color, the, my hair, everything was on that list. By the time it was done, I think it was two pages long and I felt at least better that it wasn't inside. But that list, I mean, my God, ugly for someone who's 13 to just write all that stuff out. And yeah. I think that's another reason I got sick. Like your body is going to just give you signals of something being not right. And yeah. if you don't, into them and you in fact even hate what's here how how is your body going to heal and then it's kind of a negative spiral for a lot of folks out there I know I experienced this and I talked with some other people who have um, ME or fibro or other chronic illnesses is how do you get to a good place a good relationship with your body when it's not functioning well because there's a lot of emotions rolled up in that there are and there's you know I think this applies to a lot of things, weight, illness, like, you know, to, I, I came out of a, my first marriage, my ex-husband was an alcoholic. So a lot of just emotional abuse, like heavy, heavy stuff, like any of that, there's this period of acceptance. And I don't mean acceptance in like the, you know, you're giving up, but just like allowing yourself a breath to just be where it's at. And like, this is, this is a thing. And then from that place, you're finally able to create and and move forward rather than staying stuck in the, like this, you know, all the things I hate and I don't like, and I never, you know, but like finding that, oh, okay, this is where we're at and accept and then create how good can I get? Like what? Yeah. And that idea of externalizing versus internalizing those needs. I know that mm-hmm. externalizing my need for safety or health or validation or being noticed even by others, it was always all about me. Like I'm safe here. I can notice myself. I can validate myself. Those are, those are never things that I saw modeled around me. And, um, you know, it, it took many years of, of deep work to get to the place of actually being able to freely do that to the point that I I don't regret the journey, even though the journey was really, 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 really hard. Yeah. And I love that you say that, you know, there's no sugarcoating, but it takes some work and it's hard and there might be some Could days be. where you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> you know, it's I, like, I'm, I'm roughly the same age as you. I'm, I'll be 38 in December, but, um, you know, I had, it took me probably eight years to reach where I'm at now. And I think both you and I have like streamlined a lot of what we've learned so that it's, you have a container that, you know, you can come into and do some of this work and with a little bit of guidance and, not having to go through what we did, you know, where I had days of literally like in a puddle on the bathroom floor kind of, you know, experiences. I'm sure you had 
my twenties were, were very difficult. And it's funny because a lot of the professional accolades also happened in my twenties. So it was like, mm-hmm. like illness, you're not always down. Right. And so you have time where, especially if you're a 10 Xer, like things can look mm-hmm. great from a deliverables perspective, even though you're there, like you're, you're doing it, but it's hard and, but no one suspects yeah. anything. And, um, and so my thirties have been like cleaning all of that up from the inside out. And then when I started, um, my company years ago, it was, oh, now that I've done it for myself, I definitely want to be doing this with other people. Cause I got really clear on the the how and the what and the why, and it was all about this idea of connection and just how yeah. much disconnect, like for ironic, right. In a world yeah. of we're over zoom. Oh, so connected. <laughs> um, we get to literally email and virtually chat with each other every moment of the day. if we wanted to, and yet mm-hmm. mostly disconnection is going on in the world today. I would say it, it, yeah. in, in certain ways. And it's like, yeah. let's get that back. But it starts here because I know that no one who's deeply connected with themselves would harm or neglect with intention other people. Yeah. So it starts here. It does. That's really powerful. I'm just kind of letting that sink in for everybody. You know. Like when someone yeah. comes, you're like, my team needs this thing done, or I need my family to be this way. It's like, what, take a, taking a breath. It's like, where are you with the connection to what's going on? And where are you with the connection to yourself? Cause it's this, this is, is where it starts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's bring this, cause we've talked a lot about the individual journey. Um, and I know it starts there, but in kind of applying this work to the team world, cause I, I have a lot of clients who are in, you know, leading teams of hundreds or own a business or, you know, whatever it is. So how do we, and a lot of them are frustrated and they're dealing with, you know, higher ups who aren't on the same page. And there's, there's something with like women in leadership and male dominated fields as well, but we don't have to dive into all that. Like wherever you want to go with that. I'm just curious, like how have you started to apply this into that world? So, yeah. So what's funny to me, and this is, I think this is why we literally, I mean, we, we defined the word, we redefined the word alignment and then battle tested Mm -hmm. it really elite, like top thinkers in the, in the country to make sure that this actually felt right to them and that they would use this. But the Mm -hmm. idea alignment is when your actions accurately reflect your priorities and your intentions. To say it in other words, when your actions, priorities, and intentions all connect, right? So intention, a desired state that you want to resolve or be in or create, following that priorities, hopefully the things that are the most important and having the highest or significant impact, and then actions, the things you're doing to actually create that on a day-to-day basis. And so if you think about that alignment, when I, you, especially really answering the mail on your question around what, how, how can a woman who's a high performer show up, especially in male dominated fields where there's so many minefields to be able to be uh, uh, taken in a way that was never your intention, but there's just, there's so many easy ways to either come over the top of someone or underneath someone and it neither way will work. And a lot of that, of course, is perpetuated by the conversation you're entering in, not really created even by your own contribution. So I love word alignment because if you step back and think about it, pretty neutral charge. Mm-hmm. 
We need to create, let's create greater alignment so that we can fill in the blank, hire a result, do this project on, et cetera. I'd like to get on, you know, I'd like to create alignment with you on this. It's like, oh, and then you can talk about your intention. My intention is to, and as long as the other person has a mutually beneficial intention, which is usually the case, doesn't have to be the Mm -hmm. same one, as long as it's mutually beneficial, you can then come from a place of greater start the conversation instead of arguing about the next action steps, which is what normally happens. And it's how people just talk past each other, like two ships in the night. It's like, let's come from a place of intention and let's actually um, be able to meet in a place to create greater alignment, like literally have our intentions mutually benefit each other, have our priorities be towards the same goal and have actions that actually reflect that. Yeah, I think that can streamline so much and probably take a lot off of people's plates, I would imagine. Just in, you know, we're really, really good at staying busy with all the things we think we should be doing, but that actually make no difference whatsoever um, and are avoiding the real thing. <laughs> so that, that's what I had seen my whole career. And it's what I yeah. had been. I, I thought that alignment was um, so my career was spent mostly in digital transformation spaces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the tech doesn't transform itself. People transform. Mm -hmm. Um, People who don't really understand this all the time are the technologists. Uh, Mm -hmm. But for the rest of us, we pretty much get it. And and the issue is, how do you create alignment in that kind of system? So I always thought that alignment was table stakes to the real work, because me, big intellectual Mm -hmm. technology, like that's that's where I can hang my hat, that I can do all this stuff. But really, it was the stuff that preceded this stuff. It was the alignment work, the messy human work. It's like, if you right. can do that, that's where the rarity is. That, that's, where, that's where the goodness is. And it was, um, the company was actually originally founded to work in the technology transformation space. And our first, one of our, not first, but one of our first big clients, we'll put it that way, in the beginning, uh, major enterprise, and they were working on a you know, $3 million or a three-year multi-multi-multi-million-dollar tech transformation. And one of their C-suite members, while we were going through it, said, you know, don't get me wrong, the tech is great, but what you're really giving us is alignment. I don't know how you did it, but our board is happier. Our, our people are more engaged and we've unlocked more revenue. This is the rare thing. I can't go to a normal vendor and just get alignment. And that's when yeah. like my antenna came up and I was like, alignment? Wait, that's the tape. That's what I've been doing. Like, <laughs> this is what I want to pay for. Oh, right. Cause that's hard. Yeah. Maybe that. And so then we just went, we went all in on, on alignment after that. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And it's so funny. Like, you know, I think part of that probably is, you know, you were in a place where you were open to hear it, but a lot of times like, the thing is probably right in front of us, but we have to be in a, in a space where if you haven't done the inner work, you're not, you're going to miss, you're going to miss that. That's, you know, your thing. Already done that work. I had already done it. And so by that point I was like open to path of ease and grace. I am, I can actually talk about what, what I think that actually means uh, mm-hmm. in more graphic, which I'll, I'll quickly go there for a second so that I don't leave anyone out in the cold. Mm-hmm. To me, the path of ease and grace is the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The most profit or abundance, if you will, the most impact. 
So whatever yeah. that path going forward is, to me, that's with ease and grace. It doesn't mean everything's easy all the time and there's sunshine and butterflies everywhere. I'd be such a right. yes to that. Sometimes it doesn't work that way, right? <laughs> Least resistance, most impact, most joy, most abundance in the in the process. Um, and so, you know, that idea with alignment was like, oh, this is what, if more people, like you said, if they, if people were more aligned, they'd be like less busy, more time, more white space, more productivity, yeah. more value creation, like all the things, and then more personal fulfillment in the process, because clearly you're going to be going forward in a way that feels good or feels better to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, more white space equals more creativity for whatever you've got. Like I've really been toying with white space this year. It's like, it's really nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in the last three to six months, it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm really good at like doing blocks on my schedule with like, I even have, you know, when I wake up and, you know, block scheduling in that way, but I'm leaving gaps now where I get to do whatever I want <laughs> in those. So I, what does white space mean to you? I'll, I'll ask it that way. That's interesting. I think if I really had to, I haven't thought about that. So to me, it's some level of freedom um, and just like joy and creativity and not like, this is a question that uh, came up in a training I just did myself. And then I've been bringing into conversation with my clients, but it's like, who has your time or what has your time? And so to me, it's like being in, control is a figment of our imagination but it's some semblance of like control of, of what I do with my time um, I don't know if that's what you're looking for no no I was actually genuinely curious because um we wrote a newsletter on this uh a couple weeks back and we compared it they're like how do we define white space in a way that feels really grounded because that's always like we come back to things that that are just of this world that people can really grasp and understand meeting people where they're at. And what we, what we came up with is that feeling when you're in the shower and epiphany just comes to you. That's the mm-hmm. idea of white space. And so it's like, I love that, it. if that, if that's what you're creating more intentionally, what would happen if you had that white space more often for yourself? Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. I actually had that moment yesterday and because I created white space like I created a whole new program that I'm launching today (laughs) that's all about leading your day and it's like so but like I wouldn't have done that if I'd stayed you know in whatever like freaking out I have to do this and I have to do you know each of the things like I gave myself the gift of a long hot shower and you know some stuff happened (laughs) that's that's how you know it's funny I I like I like the showers for that also the moments where there's like micro boredom in your day and you're about to reach for the cell phone to either scroll through social or ingest the news in some way that still feels okay or not horrible to you, or you just do it anyways, like whatever that, mm-hmm. or just check out, whatever that thing is, this micro moment of I'm just doing something. I'm, I have nothing going on before the next thing. If you just refrain from that, it might feel incredibly weird and uncomfortable, but the yeah. more you do the more micro moments of white space enter and then you have more shower thoughts without actually being in a shower. <laughs> yeah. Now actually I just realized um, the last few days I keep finding myself in the kitchen, like thinking I'm hungry, but I'm not really hungry, but I don't really know what I want. And I'm, I'm recognizing that it's because I've been tapping into more of my creative side in the white space that I'm like, 
you know, my subconscious is like, whoa, this is scary. Let's go, let's go eat something. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not hungry. So I haven't been eating things. I've just been like aware of it. And I'm like, huh, isn't that interesting? That is, that is phenomenal. That's actually something yeah. I struggled with when I was much younger is this idea of using food to emotionally regulate mm-hmm. like technical way of saying it, but um, just getting to the part of noticing it and just being okay with the fact that that's not what you want, but it's what your like default mode network has been so programmed to do over the years. And then you can kind of take a step back and decide what else you'd like to do with that time. That's a really yeah. cool way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of my listeners, I know we have a lot of women who struggle with weight or struggle with like, and I've really come to the realization that a lot of our health issues, and you've experienced this and you've had pretty severe ones, you know, they're surface level, they're a reflection of whatever's going on on the inside. Like I had the experience of suddenly putting on 40 or 50 pounds and I kind of just connected all the dots recently. Like I've lost the majority of it since then, but it was a reflection of the chaos that was going on inside my body. And so, you know, those who are trying all the things, looking for all the answers. I'm pointing at myself if you're not watching the video, but (laughs) go inside. All inside. And it's weird too, because I don't even think that I back then with just like the intellectual rigor that I grew up with, I'd be like, what do you mean? What what does that even mean? Right. Going inside. Yeah. Sitting with your to me, it's sitting with your thoughts in a very honest way, no matter how uncomfortable or terrifying that feels. Yeah. And, and then recognizing a really, when it's coming from you, like your self energy versus another part of you. And the reason I make that distinction is, you know, how many times when you've been upset, have you kind of felt like you were under the age of uh, 18? Like in that moment yeah. of up. I'm usually yeah. five. Right. Actually, that was going to be my, <laughs> my first number I was going to throw out was five, but I figured mm-hmm. safe, we'll just go childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. It's like, okay, well, then that's a really easy way for, for anyone listening to, to recognize like, well, who am I in those moments of deep reflection when I am all this stuff, like everything you're saying, go inside. Okay. I'll try that. But what happens the next time I'm scared out of my wits? By what I'm currently thinking, a great question to ask yourself is how young do you feel? Because if you're feeling young in that moment, that's not you. No. It's part trying to protect you that served a very great purpose when you were growing up, probably not serving it any longer. And um, you can keep peeling those layers back to get to you. Because yeah. that self is, you know, the one who is curious and compassionate and interested. That's That's the energy that you are like underneath all that stuff. Absolutely. And something I've learned recently um, from, I actually interviewed her on the show as well, but Dr. Valerie Rain, she talks about, she has a book called Patriarchy Stress Disorder, which is fabulous, but she talks about prison guards. And those are those like young parts of us that are, are protecting us. And I've been taking the step of rather than like, you know, I think a lot of us would go to like trying to, you know, we try to just like make them feel okay. Or, you know, we try to, sweep them under the rug, like, oh, you don't need to be there anymore. I don't need you anymore, that kind of thing. But really just embracing them and asking what they need, bringing safety. Like it's it's a lack of safety within ourselves. And how do we do that? So. I remember you went there. Um, I wasn't going to go there unless you went there. But this idea no, of caring young parts of yourself is something that you don't need to go to therapy school to do. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's 
have been relegated to a lot of therapy spaces. And it's something that if we just ask ourselves some basic questions of how young do I feel at this moment? Okay, clearly that's not me. So where am I? Can I bring myself back online? And then how am I going to talk to this young child really who who is looking for something from me? Because that's going to yeah. be the best easiest place to do that versus that young child going out into the world and being you for a day and trying to get it externally. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love this. There's so many places that we're, <laughs> you know, the more I dig into this, it's like, okay, this is like, you know, these are the answers. This is a depth, but it requires being willing to go be uncomfortable. That's how I really look at, you know, this work is you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, and not perfect. I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. And letting, yeah, the perfectionism or that it has to look a certain way, like, you know, just let it flow. Like I, an example for those listening, cause this is something I hear from women a lot. is like, I've never been a journaler, never knew what to write, never like any of that. And this year I've actually completely filled two book, like two journals, just doing whatever and not worrying about it and not caring. And, you know, like letting go of all the story that usually keeps us stuck. I'm just having a tool. That's beautiful. Journals to me, it's really interesting. I used to write them, but I would only write a few pages in each one or maybe, maybe like Mm -hmm. 10, 20, but it would like stop at a certain point. And I would buy a new journal thinking, oh, I didn't keep up with you. It's very. I had the same issue. Yeah. (laughs) I still have some. They're like 12 years old sitting on my shelf. I'm like, I'm just going to use them next. (laughs) I love that. What I did was I cut out the old pages and then I donated them so that people could have these beautiful journals that I never (laughs) used. And then what I I did that worked better for me was, um, you know, I like like to text uh, or write on my phone. And so what I would do is I downloaded a journal app that I didn't know it, but it had a uh, texting feature as in you could a phone number and it would end up in the journal. And so I used that number to text myself and it would end up as my entry. So it felt like texting an old friend. And for me, who was like, I need to be perfect and writing you every day. It grit. It was easy because I didn't have to actually do that because there was no, you just text whenever you want. And, yeah. and then I stepped further and I had uh, lost my mom in my twenties as well. And so I uh, renamed the phone number mom. And so now I just feel really close to my mom because every time I get an epiphany or an aha or I want to say something, I just text her. Amazing. That's beautiful. <laughs> really good. And that's that's one I haven't heard before. So that's that's a great, like, you know, there's options out there for everybody. You can customize your life however you want. And yes. kind of if, like, what if you didn't just march to the beat of your own drum, but your whole orchestra, what would that look like? How much space would you be taking up in a way that was both unapologetic, but not impinging upon others? Yeah. Like that's such a good. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, that's where we get tripped up a lot is like, you know, to stand and truly being unapologetically ourselves. I think we connotated that with, you know, either being selfish or being too much or being like, again, story. <laughs> Yeah. And, like, yeah. The other, like I've seen it the other way in social media that has disturbed mm-hmm. me, a lot, which is the people who quote post apologetically and don't say, and say, I don't care who hates me. This is just who I am. And then they're very abrasive. And it's like, well, what about 
and this is something that we, we, we work with people on is what about using language that's more aligned both for you and people around you, because those weight, those words carry so much to them. And we can go into a whole discussion around language, but that's, that's like the, the part of it too. It's like, you're here, you matter. And every single yeah. other person matters too. That's yeah. the duality, I think. Absolutely. I agree. It's, um, I haven't mentioned this quote on the show in a while, but the Marianne Williamson quote, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And it's about shining our light, which gives permission to others to shine theirs. So it's stepping into that. Yeah. Your light, your anger and rage online. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not your light. I guarantee you, you have way more light than you do snark. I I guarantee it. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's tapping in to let it out. So that one always gives me the chills. <laughs> so curious about that. What what gives you the chills about it? I think it's the recognizing, like some part of me recognizes that I am more powerful and more, you know, I am so much greater than I give myself permission to be. And and that applies to everybody. It's not just me, but like that's the thing that I feel, you know, personally. And in some ways it's like terrifying to think about yourself in that way or you know that's that's one of the things that I've dealt with that's come up and even today I mean I first heard that quote in chiropractic school like 12 years ago um and it's one that every time I read it like I have a visceral like probably because it feels aligned in some ways for me like I just identify with like "Mm, that is who I am yeah your own discernment I I I feel the same way and it's interesting because when I really fully started to embody that that young Mm -hmm. part of what? That's who I really didn't know. Like I've been sitting, I'm trying to help you and put you in a box because I needed to. And that's who you are. Oh, okay. I guess I can take a back seat because you seem mm-hmm. to have way more than I do at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome to hear. I don't think I've hit that point in my journey yet, but I'm like, I'm leaping now. I'm not, you know, I'm no, I'm taking out the resistance. So yeah. it's, we got there was um, this intermediate step. I, that young part still wanted some control. And mm-hmm. so what I, I said, okay, well, what can I put a five-year-old in charge of that will not screw up my life in any way, shape or form other than mild strangeness, maybe for me. And I thought, okay, my hairstyle and my socks, like those mm-hmm. are things that a five-year-old could do with intention, whatever they want. And it's really not going to harm me whatsoever, really. My five-year-old That's wasn't, into, I feel like, you know, no mohawks on the horizon. So yeah. <laughs> not that that was a bad thing. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. That's a good one to think about. I'm going to have to give that some thought. <laughs> kind of like if you want a big leap, what are some stepping stones that you can put in for yourself to make the parts of you that are related to and pick some words, default mode network, things you were previously afraid of, other beliefs you want to let go of, young parts, like whatever it is, what would be some stepping stones that you can ease yourself into that new temperature you want to be at? Good question. And it's going to be different for anyone or everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But those are some things that, you know, it's kind of like whatever that is, like you want to feel your full potency what can you give the young parts or something that wants to control you and put you in a box? Like, how are they going to still feel that grasp on something without it harming you anymore? That's really good. 
So for listeners, I think I'm probably going to take some time to journal on this. I'll come back with an answer <laughs> for all of you. And I'm curious what everyone comes up with because that's I like that a lot. Um, I'm trying to think what just comes to mind immediately. And then, yeah, good, good stuff. Well, I want this has been amazing and I want to respect both of our time because we're you know already at the hour mark, which I rarely have these conversations go this long, but when it's like this good, it's like, oh, we talk about this all day. So um, for listeners, uh, how can they connect with you? Like they want more Rachel in, in their life. Where's the best friend uh, place to find you? Well, the easiest place is getinline.com and that is www dot get get and then in line i n l i g n it's kind of a play on okay. words of a and um we're working with individuals and also obviously teams and organizations because we found that the leaders of these businesses and people that we were working with were like around like other things too because this is really helpful and we're just like well sure why not and sure. so we we not a bunch of years ago so yeah works awesome. very cool well, I will put that in the show notes and I just really appreciate you and your time and your thought leadership and all of this stuff. And this has been well, a lot of fun. One thing I should mention also before, before we chat is um, if you'd like to dip your toe into the water of alignment more, there is on that same website, if you scroll down to the bottom, and I think we're going to be adding a button up at the top, depending on when you're listening to this. But there is a way to sign up there for our newsletter and it's called the Alignment Newsletter. And it specifically takes you through a curated journey of alignment in a way that dips your toe in at each step. So you receive something each week to really think on, integrate before moving on. And that way, all of the things that we actually talked about on here, funnily enough, a lot of that is is, is part of the alignment journey that we walk people through as well in that newsletter. Great. Very cool. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Well, I just really, again, appreciate you, your time and your expertise in here. And thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, truly. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Selfless Syndrome Show. I truly couldn't make the show if it weren't for you, my amazing, lovely, and loyal listener. I so appreciate the emails, the shout outs, the shares, and the reviews, all of which inspire me and motivate me to keep coming back to the mic week after week in order to provide high quality content that helps you find that elusive thing called balance and really build the life, career, and body you are worthy of. I have one little request. If you have benefited from this show in any way, I would so appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and review the show. You can leave a five-star review, leave an honest review. This really helps us get in front of more amazing listeners just like you and keep growing our mission to help women leaders around the world build the life, career, and body they are worthy of. Mm -hmm.